Sorry. I really do like my grandson. One of the main reasons uh, I went to the Anglican Futures Conference in Canberra last week was that I got to stay with my grandson, Archie, uh, and his parents. Um, The conference was very good, uh, but Archie was more fun. Uh, He's a lovely, inquisitive, active child. He has quite a wide vocabulary and uh, has just started experimenting with adjectives. Amazing. Uh, I suppose it's only a matter of time before he starts asking questions. Why? But why? 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 Um, I find questions the best way to explore the Bible. Uh, Who is God? Who and what are we? Why are we here? Uh, And next week we'll look at the question of what happens next? Time and again, uh, in working my way through the book of Daniel for these sermons, I found myself asking the question, what is going on here? Uh, What is Daniel's ability to interpret dreams all about? What are we supposed to take out of Daniel's friends being saved from the fiery furnace and Daniel surviving the lion's den? What on earth are we to make of those sevens and seventies and all of that stuff? Uh, Today my question is, uh, what's going on here? Uh, And it has me wondering, uh, because Daniel prays a prayer of repentance when he seems to have done nothing wrong. In all the previous chapters we've looked at, he hasn't done anything wrong. Uh, And uh, that leads to a bigger question of why God answers any of our prayers. Uh, Our reading today starts with a prayer uh, of Daniel set in 522 BC at the end of Israel's 70 years of exile in Babylon. Uh, And Psalm 90 says that our days may come to 70 years or or 80 if our strength endures. Uh, So some of you are doing pretty well. Um, But 70 years uh, was a lifetime. Uh, And it's interesting that Israel would spend a lifetime in exile and really needed God to work with them to bring them to an end of that exile. Daniel prays a prayer of repentance. And as we look at it, I would like you to think about why God should listen to Daniel and by extension, why God should listen to any one of us as we turn to him in repentance and prayer. Why should he listen to the prayers that Alex has so beautifully prayed for us and why should he answer them? We meet Daniel in this chapter as an old man. Uh, He has been in exile in Babylon for 70 years, so he's at least in his late 80s. He has seen Jerusalem and its temple fall to the Babylonians and then mighty Babylon fall to Darius, king of Persia. Uh, Daniel knew the scriptures and Jeremiah's prophecy in Jeremiah 25 that the whole country of Israel would become a desolate wasteland and Israel uh, uh, would be among the nations that would serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Daniel had survived. God had helped Daniel in a number of ways. 
He had enabled Daniel to interpret dreams, manage capricious and at times deranged kings, and survive a knife in a lion's den. The story of Daniel so far has been remarkable. At each challenge, Daniel has made the right choice. His character and behaviour have been exemplary. Of the hundreds of men we've seen in the Bible since Adam was a boy, few men have been as exemplary as Daniel. Not Abraham, David, Moses, Solomon, maybe Joseph of the multicoloured cloak fame. Boaz and Job seem pretty good. And of course, women. Women like Hannah, Ruth and Esther. But most of the other men have been flawed. So Daniel really stands out, and I'm sure that's part of God's plan. Daniel survived with his life, health, faith, and reputation intact. And what does he do? What would you do? Daniel prays a prayer of repentance. Uh, It's an interesting prayer, because like our confession, it is a prayer in the Second person plural. We pray, merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and have broken your holy laws. We have left undone what we ought to have done and we have done what we ought not to have done. Daniel prays, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants and the prophets who spoke to your name uh, to our kings and our princes and ancestors and all to the people of the land. We, have, we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far in all countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings and our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. He really lays it on, doesn't he? But what has Daniel to repent of? What has he ever done wrong? It's possible that the writer of the book of Daniel left out some details, But this question still opens up a rich vein of thought about God and his plans, which which have a very direct application for us today. For Daniel knew that God's plans for Israel and the world were so much greater than Daniel's own personal salvation. Perhaps Daniel could have got away with just saying sorry for a few minor sins uh, that were not worth mentioning in the book, and praying a prayer of thanks that God had stood by him and protected him for those 70 years, and and perhaps suggest that a comfortable retirement was now in order. But Daniel knew from his knowledge of God's plans and promises in Scripture that God had much bigger plans for Israel, and he had a part to play in that. Back with Abraham, God had promised that through Abraham's descendants, the whole world would be blessed 
and through the promise given by the prophet Nathan to King David in 2 Samuel 7, that there would be a king in the line of David who would reign forever. And they are big promises. And these big promises required more than the repentance of one old man. It needed the repentance of the nation of Israel. And that is what Daniel prayed. And Jesus' message to the thousands of people who flocked to hear him 500 years later was summarised as, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And so when we come together each Sunday, we pray a prayer of confession. We do not pray, merciful Father, I have sinned, please forgive me. We pray, merciful Father, we have sinned, please forgive us. God may save us one by one, but he shay, he, and he shines his light into our lives one by one in his own special way. But he's saying to us, for us to be his people, to be his church, for adoption and all of us into his holy family, he's saving us as his people together. Just as Daniel had God's bigger plans in mind when he prayed his prayer of repentance, so we, when we together confess our sins, We're part of the same fulfilment of the promises that lay behind Daniel. God's blessing of the whole of humanity and Jesus reigning as king, not just in individual lives, but in the lives of everyone. That's why we pray this prayer each Sunday. We pray for everyone that they will enjoy God's salvation. And it's worth bearing that in mind when we think about our commitment to one another here at Church in Glebe. We hear people speak about my personal walk with Jesus or my relationship with God. And both of those ideas are fine. I think about my relationship with God. And that is fine as long as it's not an end in itself. My faith may not be all, must not be all about me. It is about me as part of us in relation to our Father in heaven. I'm affected by your sins as you are affected by mine. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. We will all be better off if God does his restorative work in all of us. Daniel starts this prayer by greeting the Lord. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He acknowledges his God as Lord. Righteous, one who always does the right thing, whereas people Israel did not. In our confession, we tend to keep it short and general. We have sinned, we have done what we ought not to have done. Daniel went into a bit more detail. They had broken God's laws 
through, uh, given through Moses and laid out in detail in the books of Moses. The scriptures Daniel read and understood. And Daniel acknowledged that the whole disaster of the destruction of Jerusalem and exile were justified because the people of Israel had not sought the Lord's favour, but gone after other gods. God's wrath and anger were justified. Israel had been shamed by its sins and scorned as people who had betrayed their God. Having acknowledged God for who he is and the righteousness of his actions, Daniel could then ask God to turn away from his wrath and anger, to accept their repentance and and look with favour on his desolate sanctuary. He pleaded for God to restore the temple and the city in which it dwells. Daniel prayed not just that God help them rebuild the temple, but that God himself return to it, to again dwell with his people. That's what they wanted. That's what they hoped God would do. But that was a big ask after six or seven or eight hundred years of idolatry and sin since God had rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt through the Exodus and followed by 70 years of exile. We'll come back to our question of why God should accept Daniel's prayers and our prayers, but let's, let's look first look briefly at the 77s reading. Many attempts have been made, both before Jesus lived and after he died, to work out when these periods began and ended. Don't worry, the people who first read it thought it was weird, as I'm sure you did. One thing that can be said is that seven is God's divine number. So 77s means that God is behind these events. Hundreds of books, and I mean many, many hundreds of books, have been written about this prophecy often trying to tie them in with the prophecies in the book of Revelation. They um, are... but, But all of these are misconceived because Jesus himself said that he didn't know when he was going to return uh, and also warned us to not spend our time speculating about when he would return. Just be prepared. Perhaps this afternoon. Are you prepared? Well, you are if you've repented. But even back in 1920, a theologian called J.A. Montgomery said, the history of the exegesis of the 70 weeks is, is Daniel's swamp of Old Testament criticism. And he spoke of the trackless wilderness of assumptions and theories used to attempt to obtain an exact chronology of salvation. And that swamp has only got bigger and smellier and worse in the last hundred years. But the big picture is easy to work out. The basic message is that from the return of exile, life would still be hard because the people would still not follow God as they should. Their foreign oppressors would do terrible things, the Greek, Uh, King Antiochus Epiphanes, who Alex mentioned last week, uh, would try to destroy the Jewish religion, including desecrating the temple. That might be the abomination that causes desolation, and other views is that 
The total destruction of the temple by the Romans in 70 AD is the abomination that causes desolation. It really doesn't matter because both of those things happened nearly 2,000 years ago. It's history. It's behind us. As the angel Gabriel promised, the rebuilt temple had been swept away and the system of sacrifice and offering had been swept away. The old covenant given through Moses had been replaced by a new covenant made in the blood of Jesus Christ. No more sacrifices are needed because Jesus made the one perfect and final sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Jesus has replaced the temple and is the place where we now meet with God. So the prophecy has been fulfilled. So you may wonder why I included these verses, other than I like some of the weird stuff. Uh, Why not just leave it out and focus on the questions that uh, I want us to ask about why God answers prayer? Well, we could have done that, but we would have missed out on God's answer to the question of why he answers prayer, which I've suggested is even more delightful than the one that Daniel proposes. Daniel gives the first answer to that question. He acknowledged that God's forgiveness, his answering of the prayer of repentance, cannot be because the people of Israel were righteous. They had not kept covenant with God. They had not earned a reprieve. They had not earned their salvation and restoration. Daniel said God should answer his prayer of repentance on behalf of the remnant of Israel because of your great mercy. Because of God's great mercy. Daniel called upon the character of God. He could not ask for God to keep covenant with them because they'd broken it. He could only go beyond that to the character of God, his essential essence of love and mercy. Daniel invoked none of the promises made in Israel, made to Israel through Abraham, Moses, David, and the other prophets. He simply fell on his knees and asked for God to be merciful. And that's something we can all do. God's character does not change. His will to forgive and restore cannot be changed or worn out. And that's a good reminder to the people who first heard this book of Daniel, because even though the temple was rebuilt and Jerusalem restored in some small part, they did not return to God with total love and obedience when they lived under the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. They suffered terribly under their foreign oppressors and they knew they could only survive if God was merciful. And so they called upon God to be merciful. As we read this book of Daniel, it's good to be reminded that God has always been patient. He has always wanted to forgive, always wanted to save. But God gives quite a different answer to our question about why he answers prayer. It's it's really very different 
Elsewhere, we see that God leading us to repentance is his way of bringing us back to himself and restoring his relationship with us. But that's not the focus here. We see something else, something really quite delightful. And I'm not sure if you noticed it among all the stuff about the 70s and the 70s, but that's why I included it. When God spoke through his angel Gabriel, he spoke to Daniel and through Daniel to the people of Israel and he said, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. God would answer Daniel and restore and preserve his people because they were highly esteemed by God himself. And the word esteemed just doesn't do it justice at all. For God is saying that they are beloved. He's going to answer the prayers because he loves them. He's saying to his people that you are precious. You are my treasure. He answers Daniel's prayer because he loves his people. Whenever I hear the word treasure, I think of the parable of the lost treasure in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field so that he could have the treasure. And being under the kingship of Jesus is like that. We should give up everything that stands in the way of Jesus being our king. Nothing we have is more valuable than that. Jesus is our treasure. And here God is saying, we are like that treasure to him. He will do whatever he can for us, to hold us, keep us, love us. He will give up the most precious thing he has for us because we are his treasure. Each one of you is treasured by God. Each one of you is so precious to him. We have a, a fuller picture of that in John 3.16, which you will know. For God so loved the world, each one of you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We are that esteemed. We are that loved. God is saying here in Daniel 9 that he will answer Daniel's prayer and our prayers because he loves his people. And that is an indelible and unchanging aspect of his character. Repentance may be the how of restoration, but love is the why. A young child may keep asking why. Why? But why? There comes a time when we just have to say, enough. You have many children. We can't go behind God's love for us and ask why. We can just be amazed and delighted and thankful and love him back. This prayer of repentance of Daniel, in the context of which it was prayed, brilliantly captures the corporate dimension of God's plan of salvation 
that we all be blessed, that we all be saved, that we all enjoy God's love. And therefore we will keep praying, merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the schemes and desires of our own hearts and we have broken your holy laws. And in doing so, we will call on God's merciful love for us, as John so beautifully captures in our second reading. This is love. Uh, You know where we're going next. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When we do that, we fulfil his hopes for his treasure because he loves us. Should we stand and sing and invite God to bring his love down to us now? Thank you.